I can do things that wet without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design. That is, you've just set sail on a journey of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and cruising the jungle waters with me, as always, is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer of Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Where are we headed today, Mel? I'm glad you're decked out in a brightly colored Aloha shirt today, Freddie, because we're ditching the office and the worries of the mainland. We're heading to one of my favorite island hang spots on this planet, Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar. Our guest today is none other than Trader Brandon. Brandon made his mark as a production art director for Universal Creative and Walt Disney Imagineering, bringing his love of spatial storytelling to some of the most detailed and beautiful dive bars on this planet. Brandon Clayla is also an author and an artist in his own right, culminating in comic books, apparel, tiki mug, and one of the most laid-back Instagram live shows you'll ever find. Alrighty, folks, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam! Mel, one of my favorite things to do is uh, wander around uh, the theme parks and look for the details. I'm a details guy as far as um, like trying to find things that might be a hint at what the story is in these places. You know, you see these um, in some of the best cases that sort of spatial storytelling, that design detail that they put into places to try to tell a story, that it, it can be really amazing, really fascinating. You see details that make the guest experience even better as they sort of discover um, unexpected stories. You see those Easter eggs or like Hidden Mickeys. Hidden Mickeys is a big one, uh, almost to the point where you're kind of tired of finding a Hidden Mickey. Um, you see one, you're like, oh boy, there they go again. Um, but, um, you also find really powerful storytelling done through the details that, um, uh, spatial storytellers put in there. So, um, I wanted to ask you if you have a favorite, uh, detail that is in the parks that sort of, uh, comes to mind first when you think of great, uh, prop work or great visual storytelling within a space in a theme park. Man, that's a rough question. This probably could at least be a whole podcast episode, I know, if not real. a whole podcast period. But, um, you know, just off the top of my head, one of the top ones that uh, I remember when it was first installed, um, someone had dug into the original Herb Ryman um, concept art for New Orleans Square and realized oh. that, uh, you know, just for fun, he not only threw some interesting backgrounds like nuns walking around, but, um, you yeah. know, he had these uh, ship's masts uh, behind the buildings to insinuate that there was kind of a, a harbor, um, you know, kind of beyond the buildings. Uh, and, of course, you know, we know that those are massive show buildings behind the intricate facades. But uh, a few years back, um, some of the, the team there actually just added some masts on top of the, the building. And what it does is it really just effectively just draws your eye 
uh, and extends the the berm or the the, the field of vision um, to to insinuate that there's something beyond the 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 facades that you're seeing. And again, th- those kind of examples of really theatrical. Uh, stretching the proscenium arch, if you will, uh, yeah. of what you, you're able to actually perceive and see on the ground, I think are just brilliant. Yeah, I think it's funny. Those masts, you have to be sit- standing in just the right place to see them. But when you see them, you think there's another harbor back there, but really it's uh, tram drop off. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they've and they taken you outside of that. That's, that's a great one. Um, one of my favorites that I just recently noticed is in Toy Story Land over in uh, Hollywood Studios. They have um, they have a little. It's just a little cafe, and the cafe is made to look like Andy from Toy Story's lunchbox has dumped out. Yep. And so that's where you go to pick up your food. One of the tables, I think I may have told you this before, but it just gets my. It actually gets to my heart. One of the tables is made up of a note that Andy's mom put into his lunchbox, right? Remember when your mom would put a, your no, a note in their lunchbox? Well, in this in this lunchbox, one of the tables is a note, and it says, Dear Andy, I love you. You're my favorite boy, or something like that. And so you're sitting at the table in this wonderful little detail that actually expands the story beyond just <laughs> silly toys, yeah. but actually personalizes it. And uh, I, I'm also a big fan of sort of the advent you you bring up New Orleans Square, the Adventureland, sort of bringing Adventureland to life with stories of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, which, you know, comes out from Tokyo Disney Sea and sort of that ex uh, uh, bringing to life a story that isn't part of the regular IP story that's uh, being shared with us. And we're, we're just being brought in to a story with these little tiny details, stuff that you find like in Bengal, Bengal Barbecue at uh, Disneyland or the Tropical uh, Tropical Hideaway yeah, you've got there your, in Disneyland. Uh, paddle Hall of Wall of Fame now, right to the other yeah, uh, that's members right. of the seas. All of those, all of the oars up against the wall. Which one? Either or. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, honestly, um, throwing details against a wall. You, those things, those oars are up against a wall. But throwing details against a wall. Uh, can't be done in just a haphazard way. They, they have to be thought through if it's going to be believable, if it's going to um, draw you into a story. Um, otherwise, it's kind of a waste of energy, I, I imagine. So what's good about um, uh, what I was going to ask you is what is it good? I'm sorry. What is it about good spatial storytelling that makes it really so meaningful to the guests who have their eyes out for those special details? You know, I'm going to start with a bad example, you know, and I'll, okay. you know, I think of like a fern bar, right? You know, like, a, I don't know, TGIF, right? You know, where it's just right, a bunch right, of right. crap gathering dust, basically, that have no real significance. That's, that's I think, really different from um, something that, you know, every set piece, every prop, every detail has an internal consistency. And, and you know, just for an example, I remember... Um, my wife and I uh, walking through Diagon Alley for the first time, and and she really oh, yeah. wasn't familiar with the books, with the, the films, but she could tell that there was some internal logic consistency. There was there was something beyond the the facade, and even all the layers of ornamentation and detail, and it really made her want to basically go down that rabbit hole, uh, both literally in terms of stepping deeper into Diagon Alley uh, and Nocturne Alley, uh, and then also really getting into the books and, and everything else. So I think that uh, that idea of um, kind of 
just getting a clue that there is a, a co- there's a a backstory, a, a cohesion that ultimately um, not only is is worth discovering, but but actually really kind of engages your your heart uh, and your mind potentially as well. And it bring, brings back guests over and over and over again to discover more, and they seem to always do discover more. Today's guest is a details guy. He's a props manager, art director, show writer, and more, bringing the art of spatial storytelling to life in Disney and Universal Parks around the world. But you probably know him best from his work shaping the visual story that comes to life in the Trader Sam's Tiki Bars at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. There's a lot more to Brandon than just Tiki Bars, though. He's also one of the few child actors who made it out alive. It's time now for the Themed Attraction Podcast interview with a good friend of the show, Trader Brandon Clayla. Well, Brandon, it's really fun to have you on uh, the Themed Attraction Podcast. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. You got it, man. Glad We're to be here. Kind of excited. I, um, if anybody saw my Zoom background, I've settled myself. Just kind of. Yeah, kind of excited. excited. <laughs> I settled myself into a screen background of Trader Sam's at Disneyland. So uh, I hope you feel yeah. welcome. And I, I got to break out my first ever tiki shirt uh, there you go. out of the mothball since I haven't been able to wear it in a long time. But uh, now all I ever wear are Aloha shirts. Our Aloha but, shirt. Uh, there are so many. There are so many vintage. stories. Yeah, there are so many stories that I get every day, especially when I was doing uh, shows like Tiki Oasis mm-hmm. or Tiki Con or all those. Um, that people say that, you know, that was my first Aloha shirt. That was my first Tiki mug. That was the first time I'd ever been in a Tiki bar, you know. A gateway so it's, drug. It's, yeah, it totally All the is. Way. Totally All the is. way. Yeah. <laughs> At least a gateway drink. Yeah, there well, you go. Brandon, um, it's a thrill to have you because, uh, you know, the, one of the unique probably crowning achievements of the Disneyland Resort. One of the really great things that you have to, you have to wait in line to get to, you know, you have yeah. to make a choice still, still to this still. day is to Trader the, Sam's. The, and, the last e-ticket yes. standing of the Disneyland the Trader Sam's and Charity Tiki go. Bar. So thank you for being part of that production. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's all, it's still, and is always a, a humbling experience to have been a part of that. It's, it's one that I, you know, I mean, I was at WDI for a little over eight years and did probably 20, 30, 40 different shows uh, worldwide. But I still look back at those tiny little uh, little gems because when we did the first one, we were just, you know, we didn't know if anybody was going right. to show up. We just we just did it. And when we opened the doors, there was three people. <laughs> that was you, it. You, the bartender. And- That's awesome. <laughs> right. Right. No, on the other side of the door. Oh, on the other okay. side of the door. Uh, there was one guy from San Diego. And then I'm blanking on their name. But the couple you'll know, the couple that runs the Tiki Marketplace. Oh, yes. I Yes. Them. them. The them. Them. Uh, they were there, and that was those were the three wow. people on opening day. Wow, that's that's incredible. It got busier at night, obviously, but at eleven a.m. it was three, three people, people when we opened. So yeah, they didn't know that's what was great. coming. Um, you know, I no. I'm all I've always been a big fan of the Disneyland Resort, especially the hotel. Um, I grew yeah. up, you know, we lit, grew up down the street from the Disneyland Hotel and, and the park. And uh, when people would come into town, my parents wouldn't wouldn't choose to afford to take us all to Disneyland, but we would go to uh, the hotel to watch the Dancing Waters show and uh, get sure. a popsicle from that uh, outdoor t- tropical marketplace, etc. Watch, watch the, fireworks the fireworks from the, you know, the air. Yeah, you can do all sorts of yeah, stuff. And so to see that having changed over the years is really a, um, has been a, 
has been a really neat to see. And that's why I kind of see Trader Sam's as sort of that pinnacle because it came across there. And I know you guys both have the, a love uh, for the hotel. Yeah, I know the for first the time, Sunday, sorry, the first time uh, I went to the hotel, I, the monorail was still yeah. going there. Yeah, crazy. Which was like 95, 96, I think, somewhere in there. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I, rem- I have a little bit of memory of that, but. Well, you're so young. I mean, back in the back in the day, um, you know that that was such a significant part, almost of the public realm of Southern California. I mean, before sure. the downtown Disney's, the Irvine Spectrums, Universal City Walks. I mean, if teenagers wanted to to loiter and linger and um, <laughs> and hang out, uh, you, you could either even get a free you know monorail ride yeah. uh, round trip. You could. Um, you know, do the dancing waters. They had a beach with uh, Polynesian luau's. I mean, it was quite a retail. I mean, before the term RD and E, retail dining entertainment, right? Uh, destination was a thing. Uh, Jack Rather had qu- created quite a quite a little uh, yeah. Hub he knew, he knew what he was doing there. Yeah, it was uh, a, a pretty special place. It was yeah. a great spot to start my uh, career at Disney. And um, one of these days, we'll have. Uh, Tony Bruno on, who was uh, oh, yeah. a good steward of that uh, acreage for a lot of yeah, years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of, lot of good, fun friends and memories. I, I remember we were talking about uh, a mutual friend, uh, an Imagineer, uh, Janet Trumbo, who yeah. I actually went to high school with and uh, and hired her on for That's her so first crazy. job. That's so crazy. Uh, yeah, it's great to see her still there at Disneyland um, in the Imagineering so, group there. So yeah. one day they, they said, uh, we're going to... Uh, erase this street that uh, separates oh nuts my phone um sorry mom uh <laughs> one day they just one day they decided uh that they would uh pave over um or or put a bridge over from disneyland hotel over to the park and put in a downtown disney district and and then a whole yeah. theme park um and were were you involved in some of that? Were you? Uh, I know. I know you no, were Mel. No, I. Yeah, were I you? Think Mel? I might. I might there? need to confess. I might have been one of the first people to to put a big X on the uh, motel uh, <laughs> units of the old Oriental Gardens, oh. uh, the original, which I regret now, of course, knowing the mid-century modern history of Pereira Luckman, you know, and those guys, but. Yeah, back in the day, it was uh, really about creating uh, more of a walkable link, you know, to uh, the Disney parks. And actually, believe it or not, the first uh, layout I did actually had a uh, kind of a canal water link connection. Kind of think San Antonio mm. River Walk that from cool. the Disneyland Hotel Marina right into the Rivers of America. Kind of a oh nice, kind of like the French Connection Boardwalk Epcot, you know, back door. Because I was really just trying to minimize the walk, you know, from from the, the core of the hotel uh, conference center to uh, being in Berm. We, it was actually before they had greenlit California Adventure. And um, anyways, long story, lots of lots of trace paper, <laughs> bone wine, and old drawings. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, the the idea of taking the towers and that, that core and celebrating kind of that mid-century, you know, unique space and time that uh, the fertile soil of those orange groves that yeah. uh, Disneyland could have only come out of, um, you know, definitely like Fred said, Trader Sam's is the the pinnacle of of that uh, experience. Just the perfect place, perfect solution, perfect yeah. time. So I tell think. us a bit of a story about how you got to um, uh, WDI and how you ended up uh, getting this project. I know it's probably a long and winding road. 
No, it it can be. I've I've I have told it a couple times, so I've gotten it uh, pretty pretty you know cliff noted down to the the highlights. Um, uh, again, another small world story. I think you uh, are buddies with him, but my pal Josh yeah. Shipley uh, was at WDI, and and I had met him through Tony Baxter and a few other mutual friends, and. Uh, Went over to lunch one day, met with Josh, met with Tony. We, we went out. We probably went over to Chili John's or one of those uh, there in, in Glendale in Burbank. And, uh, you know, as as everyone does, the, you ask the question, hey, what do you got to do to work here? I want to work here. I've always wanted to work here. What do you got to do to work here? You know, and uh, I wish greatly I should one day come up with a really good answer. Uh, I wish greatly that I had a better answer than right place, right mm. time. Uh, I don't. <laughs> it was right place, right <laughs> time. Uh, Josh and Tony were ramping up on great moments with Mr. Yeah. Lincoln. Josh was going to go and show direct that uh, with with Tony and, and for Tony there. And uh, so at the time, Josh was in charge of in charge of the uh, the print department at WDI, which I know it has a dimensional design or it has a better name but for for those listening who who want to know what i'm talking about it was the print department it was a giant room full of massive printers and essentially printed out artwork printed out the attraction posters that are in the tunnel you know those were overseen by by josh and wdi um a lot of pre primarily presentation boards for for pitch meetings so he was going to go do Lincoln, and again, right place, right time. And he goes, "You, uh, you know how to do like Photoshop and stuff?" I say, "Yeah, I can do Photoshop. Yeah, no problem." Okay, send me your resume. And two days later, I I was wow. in, um, you know, and 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 worked with him there for two years uh, while he was doing Lincoln. I was running yeah. the print shop, which uh, you know is really not gonna not gonna lie. It was grunt work. It was uh, you know a lot of printing, a lot of uh, gluing paper to foam board, all that good stuff. Um, I look back at it and go, man, that was a blast. Cause it was, you didn't have to think you just, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was busy work, but it was great. But, uh, there was not a single thing at WDI that I didn't know was happening. Cause right, I was printing right. it all. Yeah. So that was pretty great. Um, you know, and you got to know every, you got to know everyone in the company cause they'd run to you and go, I need this reprinted. And I, it, you know, the pitch is going on. I yeah. need it now. You know, so you got to and know you got everybody to do favors and it was great. That's, that's a great position to be in is, <laughs> you know, and you were the guy, you know, and you go, I, I'll get it done for you, you know, and you built your reputation. So I, I, I worked that pretty hard for two years. We did that. And then uh, he came back from Lincoln and, and that was the first time I got laid off from WDI. <laughs> and, a serial. Uh, and then it became, yeah, I, I, nobody will have as many layoffs as Bob Gerd, but uh, I got a couple, so I'm good with that. But uh, so then it became, you know, I said, well, hey, you know, this has been a great couple of years. Let me know if you need anything else. Happy to happy to help in any way, shape or form. Give me a call if you need an extra set of hands. And that rolled into, hey, we're doing play testing for New Fantasyland in mm -hmm. Orlando. Can you come and stage manage the play tests and, you know, round up the kids and make sure it goes well. Yeah, great. I'm there. Uh, next week. Hey, can you come and do some lighting and help hang lights for such and such? Yeah, I'm there. Hey, can you do, you know, I mean, it, that went on for months of just these little random around the building jobs, you know, and, and, and it literally I'd get a call. I'd be half asleep. Hey, can you be here by eight o'clock? <laughs> I'll be there, you know, same morning type <laughs> of stuff. Um, 
And then the last call of that type was, hey, can you come in and help the prop department uh, document some props? They just need to you just need to take pictures of them, write down the prop number on a dry erase board, you know, call it done. All right. I'll be there. Um, I go in. I meet with my boss. I go. She goes, uh, do you know uh, Photoshop? I go, yeah, I know Photoshop. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with Photoshop. Uh, how about Excel? Sure, sure. Didn't have, Didn't a, clue. have a clue what Excel even was. <laughs> uh, what about eBay? Oh, yeah, I can do some eBay. That's no problem. That's obviously if, if everyone saw the Zoom picture. Yeah, I can do eBay. That's no sweat. And then uh, I never documented a single prop. She gave me two Vacation Club kiosks over in Tokyo to prop out. And uh, I did that. One of them was over at uh, Tokyo Disney Sea in the uh, Italy mm-hmm, area. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, I don't Vinci. remember what it was. Uh, yeah. 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 Kind of over there. And it was kind of it was, again, a vacation club kiosk. So it was uh, things were on easels and, you know, paint brushes and very silly. But the other one was in Adventureland and it was an old Harbor Masters uh, little ah. hut. Nice. So I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and uh, looking back at that one now, it was basically all the tricks I used in Sam's because it. W- I took a uh, one of my fellow uh, set decorators, uh, Jeff Wildman, who did Cars Land and and tons and tons and tons of stuff. Uh, worked on Great Movie Ride. There's pictures of him measuring the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> you know all that good stuff. Um, I but big beard, scraggly old guy. I said, "You're going to be my harbor master," and I photoshopped him into yeah, pictures. Yeah. You know, I mean, we did all this great stuff. That then, you know, we obviously did in Sam's. So I'm doing those two kiosks and the Disney Parks blog posts that they're going to do a Jungle Cruise themed tiki bar at yeah. the hotel. Uh, so I print it out very quickly. I print it off the internet. I run it into my boss's off and I go, I'm yeah. doing this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is me. Yeah. Put me on this. Put me on this. Come on. I had, kid you not, maybe <laughs> it'd been there a month. Maybe. You know, I had no, I was, and it takes a while to break it, but you know, they're like, you're the print yeah. guy. What, what do you calm down? You know, if they knew who I was, cause that's in a different building. The prop guys are in another building. Uh, so I did that. And, and he said, you know, just like Mel was just saying, the, the, the parks all have a, a small group of WDI at them mm-hmm. at all times for maintaining and, you know, small little things and, and local projects. And this was one of those. So, you know, I'm throwing my fit of wanting to do this. And he's like, it's one, it's Anaheim. It's a small project. Two, it's a hotel yeah, project, which even more so we don't get involved in. And I said, I don't care. Fix it. Make it work. <laughs> I'm doing it. Uh, because I had worked Jungle Cruise for two years at the park during the 50th they anniversary, and, and I, there. hey, you know, it's it's we're we're still paying off our I therapy bills. Um, <laughs> so I said I got to do it. I I have to do this. And uh, he got us a, got me a meeting with uh, with the team and and Tom Fitzgerald and and you know all the all the Disneyland heads at the time. And and I remember sitting there. And they sh- and they went through the whole deck. You know, we're going to do this to the towers. We're going to do a new pool with a monorail slide. You know, yeah. all this great stuff. And and they showed a one wall elevation for the bar. And and I I, I raised my hand. And I went, what what is that? And they were like, well, this is the bar. And I went, no, it's not. You know, and they're like, who is this kid? <laughs> what the heck is going on? Uh, so I went in and talked him into letting me do a Photoshop elevation of the bar, which is ultimately what we built yeah. in Anaheim. Um, 
you know, Ray Spencer was our art director on that, um, who I love dearly. Ray and yeah. I did so many projects together. We, we became a hell of a team. Um, we did Matterhorn. We did Haunted Mansion, Hatbox Ghost. We did Grizzly Peak. We did Buena Vista Street. We did. I mean, I, I got to the point. I remember one year it got to the point where I had 14 projects worldwide at the same mm. time. <laughs> and I had gotten wind that Ray was going to do Grizzly Peak, which is 1950s, yeah. you know, national parks, which I love. And I went, well, I'm doing that, too. And they were and I got in trouble for taking on more yeah. work. And I said, I don't care. It's a national parks and it's Ray. I'm doing it like <laughs> yeah. we're doing it. Um, so Ray was great. You know, Kyle Barnes kind of put together that first package of we should do a tiki bar. Um, and and those guys just trusted me to have at it, you know, and I and I really didn't see Ray too much because Ray was ramping up to do Buena Vista Street. So he was swamped. Um, so, yeah, they just they trusted the new. Yeah, I think it I think it again was the blessing of right place, right time, because at the time we were doing the bar was also new star tours, yeah. new parade, world of color. You know, what's the absolute worst case scenario the new kid's going to do to a 50 seat bar? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, well, what, the, you what know, could it pretty- go wrong? I love it. And, you know, for anyone that's been in any of the one of the Trader Sam's, I mean, you may have been to a few dive bars, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, the, the thing that, that really creates that rabbit hole that you just keep going deeper and deeper is yeah. the uh, the depth and the intentionality behind the props. But before we kind of get into that, I just really thought it might be helpful for some of our listeners to just kind of understand the nuance and differences uh, within WDI and, and kind of. Yeah you know, kind of our industry, you know, in terms of the interfaces with the different disciplines between prop, show set design, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interior design, you know, architecture. Do you mind just kind of, you know, doing a little call out on, on your discipline? Yeah, there? yeah. Um, it's like you said, there's show set design, which I still go, what do they do? No. Um, <laughs> they build everything out of concrete is what show set does. Uh, <laughs> These they, days, at least. They, yeah, they build things to last. Uh, you know, interiors comes in with wallpapers and carpets and, and paint colors and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many there's so many disciplines at WDI. And, and again, that's another question I'm at. Oh, do I have to be a engineer to work in Imagineering? And I'm like, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? You know, there's there's guys that pick mute that play with music. Yeah. You know, there's the audio department. There's the editing department. There's the carpet interior department. There's it. Yeah, more than 80% of the people there don't have engineering degrees, you know. You don't have to be Herb Ryman or Tony Baxter or an engineer. I mean, you know, if you are, God bless (laughs) you, get in there, you know. But but no, yeah, so I mean, I I studied archaeology in college. I studied archaeology and theater arts, you know. I didn't think I was going to, what the heck is that good for at WDI? Um, It turns out quite a bit, actually. There you go. Turns out a lot. Yeah. yeah, I did um, anthropology and film. But, well, uh, <laughs> I, I try to I try to tell people now I go study history. That's good. You know, that's 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 the biggest thing that I that I drew from constantly. Um, they have an absolutely amazing library at Imagineering uh, run by uh, Eileen, who's been there since the Epcot mm-hmm. days, who's just wonderful and knows everything and knows where everything mm-hmm. is. And. I lived in that building for so many years because I loved having it. It was just such an amazing resource. And so, yeah, it was just, yeah, learn history, 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 because everything, you know, nobody's really building a modern day land in a theme park because we lived that. 
you know, but you're going to Frontierland, you're going to Adventureland, you're going to the 30s, the 40s, the 60s, the, you know, all these different eras. Well, so, they tried that with DCA 1.0, well, and uh, then they had yeah. to, then they had to theme it. <laughs> <laughs> then they realized, well, that was, okay. So, yeah, I, I focus on history a lot. And then, you know, to explain what we do in set decoration, as I tell people, we're the, we are the, and it's true, because we are the last person in and the last person out. And we make mm, it real. Mm. You know, everybody else does their part and it all is amazing. I mean, you know, obviously no discipline can do what they do without the discipline before them, you know, in there the week before them. Um, but, you know, picture picture something like the Tower of Terror libraries. Yeah. But empty. Yeah. Exactly. I try to explain it to clients like, you know, you know, people have this mistaken faith in for example, architecture, and they, they assume that an architect's going to do everything. Yeah. Somehow. And I say, yeah. well, imagine that you hire an architect to put on a Broadway production. He creates this great theater. You get right. a certificate of occupancy, and then no one dressed yeah. the set. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no and one hired the actors. And nobody made costumes. Yeah, there's nobody not much made, of a show. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> a nice building. Um, yeah, so, you know, think of, uh, yeah, ta- I usually use Tower as my example of, you know, just imagine walking through that building, but nothing is yeah. in it. You know, there's no, there's no boilers in the basement. There's no books in the library. There's no anything, you know, that's, that's what we do. There's no um, oil can that, uh, hints that somebody right, was working on right. this elevator just before, <laughs> yeah, just before they die. Uh, there's, you know, there's no old 37 Packard on Buena Vista Street. Yeah. You know, it's just a it's just a gas station. You know, a lot of that stuff. Um, it's 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 crazy because a lot of people think, oh man, I want to do your job. That sounds easy. My favorite my favorite is my wife loves to shop. She would love <laughs> you know your job. And I go, you guys understand it's we're not going to Target to to you know prop stuff, right? You know, which is always always tricky. I mean, things like Trader Sam's and things like Buena Vista. You know, I'd spend a good year and a half just yeah. buying stuff. You know, finding yeah, you have to those go right all the pieces. way down the street to World Market. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it. I will. I will admit, the Trader Sam's Christmas overlay is primarily World from World Market. That's so, awesome. if anybody's looking for those little animal Christmas ornaments, they're from World Market. They um, you, and a little bit of Target. So, I really, I really shot myself in the foot with that one. That that blows my whole theory. Yeah, no, uh, that's part of that worldwide search. Even you know, I, I from from some of the stories of Walt, you know, looking Walt Disney looking for just the l- little rocks for his gem uh, garden oh, yeah. or whatever he wanted to have that ended up him buying the petrified tree for Frontierland. Right. Um, you know, right. we we talked to Josh Stedman, and when he when he oh, yeah. built uh, Evermore, when they were propping out evermore in right, uh, right. with him he and Shipley in Utah yeah they went to Europe said hey if we're going to have a european village we yeah. got to go and they're filling sea containers with oh, old absolutely. suits armors absolutely. and axes and torches and things like that yeah it's not you know buena, buena vista street when we did that there's a the alameda antique fair up in up in san francisco is absolutely one of my favorites and uh, they don't allow you to sell anything past the 70s so it weeds out a ton of yeah. crap, you know, it weeds out the garage sale junk. Nice. Yep. Um, but I'd go up there every month with a U-Haul that was empty and fill it to where when you open the door, you were going to, it was going to cave on you. Yeah. You know, I mean, we would just pack it with stuff from the thirties and forties, you know, and twenties and, and really get cool old stuff. And it takes time. I mean, it takes, it takes a while. I mean, just, just Anaheim Sam's alone is 1600 individual props in that place and it took about a year mm-hmm. and a half yeah 
trying to any guidelines you've learned over the years in terms of when you're working with a project manager or the budgeting folks on the front end of how to even wrap your arms around the uh, budget scope and schedule just for that effort you know the nice like, the nicest part about it is I feel like once I once I kind of proved myself on a couple of things nobody really worried too much <laughs> about me which was great. Uh, but I, when I say that, I mean like financially, like, you know, I get my bucket of money and I go, all right, I'm at it. Here I go. And I break it down and I do my, you know, multi-page Excel prop list of these are the things I hope I find. And these are the buckets of money that I don't know what I'm looking for. You know, um, I try to shop in phases of phase one is the, oh, well, you know, we need life rings, you know, we need a dive, you yeah. know, those, those things that you Basics. just know. Yeah. And then, and then after that I go. I'm just going to take that wad of cash and go up to Alameda and find some cool stuff because I don't know. <laughs> I don't I'm not I don't know what existed. I don't know what's cool. You know, you go to these little marina towns yeah. and and find just great, great stuff that you go. I wouldn't have even thought to, you know, look for that on eBay or, or whatever. Um, but then within that, just managing your budget is just shifting things around. You know, you're going to find stuff that you got thought would have cost a hundred bucks it cost 10 and now you can move that 90 bucks over to something else you know as long yeah. as you came in at your bottom line yeah everybody was like yeah do your thing have have at it you know which was great you know what so. torment torments <laughs> what torments me a little bit is knowing that in somebody's attic they've got that one thing that you really really mm -hmm. wanted it's sitting in somebody's deep storage yeah. and you'll never see it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they're felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now. 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big ideas, best ally. I know uh, for you, some of this became a, a real labor of love. And I know, you know, my one of my early projects working on the, the Neverland pool with the uh, Tony Baxter, which was the predecessor to the e-ticket yeah, pool. Yeah. Um, you know, John Stone, Tony, I mean, there's a lot of oh, extra yeah. labor of love and, and free work above and beyond. Uh, you know, how much did that play? Because again, special project, I'm sure that uh, oh, yeah. a lot of people had a lot of fun. But I think of all the extra show writing on the back of postcards oh, that, you know, right, when right. we're creating that backstory. You know, it's kind of that thing. I mean, I've been I've been very fortunate in my career. I mean, before before Imagineering, I was doing movies and TV. You know, when I was a kid, I was a child actor. And then then I hit that age where you were too old to play a kid, but too young to play an adult. So you weren't going to work for 10 years. And then I went into special effects makeup and editing. That's when I learned how to use Final Cut and editing and all that stuff. Um, 
but regardless of of the project if it's not a labor of love then it's not worth your mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. you know i mean then it's just a job and it's boring and it sucks you know <laughs> but you know you get you have to you have to make them all a labor of love and and like you said with all the postcards and sams and everything else i mean that came from uh kevin rafferty was our show writer originally um who is one of my favorite people and uh he and i sat down and we went okay we want to do this for the bar we want to do this and then we went uh our first idea was to actually have an entertainment character in the bar mm. from open to close. And throughout the day, they would get a little tipsier <laughs> and they'd tell stories. <laughs> you know, great. they'd come yeah. over to your table and, well, let me tell you about the time that I sat with a, you know, I fought a squid <laughs> in the middle of the, you know, and by, by two in the morning, the guy's yeah. hammered, you know, the guy's bare, <laughs> just leaning against the tiki totem, you know, and we thought that was hilarious and we wanted to do that. And Kevin knew I worked jungle and we, we went to, entertainment we pitched it and it went over well and then and then uh marilyn magnus was head of entertainment at disneyland then who's absolutely one of my favorite people uh she goes nobody's gonna pay for that it'll be cut in a month you know you can't yeah. do that yeah. yeah uh and then that's where it went well let's train the bartenders to tell jokes and every, and everybody went you're not gonna train a bartender to tell <laughs> right. jokes they just want to you know a, a union and, bartender right I add. <laughs> don't even think you ask them that they're gonna throw a drink in your face you know and and I think they both kind of went, oh, Brandon's really into this, you know, because I was, you know, I was all in going, this is what we're going to do. And this is great. And this is fun. It's and, just uh, a hotel Maryland bar. Said, well, <laughs> right. Yeah. And Marilyn was like, well, you were an actor. You were a skipper. You train them. You know, you you figure it out. They'll, you know how to talk to performers, you know, make them work. All right, fine. And uh, and then Kevin got swamped on Cars Land because he was head writer of Cars yeah. Land. And much like Ray, Kevin was like. You write it. I think you know what you're doing. If anybody's got any problems, send them my way. I'll buy off on stuff and just have That's at so it. Fun. So then I was off doing that, you know, and then I became the show writer of it and all that. So it was like write, writing all the spiels for uh, for the bartenders and then all the postcards. And then I'm, I'm, I have wonderful memories of, of writing all the copy that I wanted on the postcards and literally taking a stack of postcards and my paper and a variety of pens and walking around the building going, hey, hey, Mel, write your, write, write here, this. write this on this postcard for me because I hate handwritten fonts. Uh-huh, yeah. They drive me nuts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just walked all over campus for like a couple of days <laughs> and had people write postcards, you know, and sign their names on them. And it, we did it with the team. And then we were like, well, we need more postcards. So then we just go find other people and you know, that's why they all look exactly different, you know, exactly different. Today, people would have paid to have a postcard on right? the Right? Could you imagine? Yeah. And, you know, the different pens and they, they all look different. So it's, yeah, that that labor of love certainly pays pays off in the final thing. But well, I, I love going, it. Like, so what's I, better, Trader Sam, Grog Grotto or Enchanted Tiki Bar? Come on. Really? I always say Grog Grotto because that's where I met my wife. Um, Not bad. She was the opening manager oh, at the wow. time, so you wow. know you, you spend a lot of four hour or four a.m. It's a pretty you know. unfair advantage of right, uh, right, of east to, to west. That said, past that, uh, I mean that's my opinion, my reasoning. Um, but beyond that, I, it's like. I, I don't I try to get people not to compare them because they're completely different. You know, they tell two different stories. The layouts are different. The effects are different. The mugs are different. There's drinks that are different. 
you know, it's just uh, it's it's completely. Uh, I always go, don't you can't compare them. You know, they're not. It's not like Midway Mania, and you go, well, <laughs> it, yep. if you write it in DCA and you write it at Studios, it's the same ride. And they're done that. Uh, yeah, and you know, okay. Um, it's still one of those things. I'm shocked they let us do was to, to do them both different. Yeah, it would have seemed like I'm the, still shocked <laughs> to this day they didn't just go, hey, it worked in Anaheim. Yeah. We got the yeah. drawings. Let's do it. Um, I think nice what compliments. Right. I think what yeah. saved us from that is that they were both wedged into pre-existing locations. Sure. We didn't. We didn't build. You know, if we had built from the ground up, I, I guarantee you they'd be the same. Um, but uh, but the fact that you know, I remember I remember the day I walked. I was in Florida doing something, and I walked past the arcade at the Poly, and I kind of went, oh. huh. And I walked back a little bit and went and took some pictures. And I texted Kyle Barnes. I said, I think I found our location. I think this is it. You know, there was one kid in there playing Ninja Turtles, you know, was not busy. And I was like, I guarantee you we can make this place busier than it is now. Yeah. It wow. took me four or five visits to actually get to get in and sit down uh, because it's so well, popular. Well, you know, unlike yeah. Anaheim and the three people on opening day, <laughs> uh, when we opened Grog Grotto, you know, the word had gotten out. Yep. Everybody knew. Um, and that line, I used to go out, uh, days before we'd open and I would go over to the Dole Whip window and I would have them pour me little, they look like little shots of Dole Whip, but they were just like little kid size and tiny little Dole Whips. And I'd fill a tray with them and I would go over down the hallway and I'd go, guys, we're not opening. I promise you, I'm not trying to cheat you out of an experience. We are not. You can hear the drills on the other side of the wall. Here's some Dole Whip. Go away. Oh, really? Uh, And people did, you know, and they loved it. And they were like, oh, thank you so much. And then I think they start coming back for Dole Whip. But um, (laughs) but, uh, I was like, you know, you got to do it. But then on that day we opened, I mean, the line was eight hours, nine hours to get in. It went it went down the marina. If you're familiar with the poly, it went down the steps, started at the bottom of the steps, down the marina, took a, le- a right, went down that side of the marina, took a left out and was going towards the uh, luau oh, stage. My goodness. And then by the time it opened, you know, and it's again, 50 some seats, you know, those people weren't yeah, leaving. That's right. <laughs> you know, they had waited a day and a half to get in. It's at capacity. Those guys are going to close that place down. So it was, you know, people were out there for eight, nine hours and, and with no those 60 some people. Yeah. They were like, we're in and we're we're drinking. We're, <laughs> we're buying every every mug. This is it. You know, God help you if you need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. We actually had bathroom cards no back kidding. then. We had wow. little we had little things that uh, we were stamping hands, you know, it was all that good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it was it was a trip. So talk about what it you did next. Where did you where did that experience then sort of launch? Sam's yep. after Sam's. Oh, dear. Uh, well, in, in Anaheim, I just went back to business as usual. And it was uh, what came after that? Uh, Buena Vista Street was after that, which was another wonderful Ray Spencer gig. Uh, putting the Hatbox Ghost in, I propped out that whole balcony of the mansion which was a, a dream yeah, really uh project i mean to work on something in the haunted mansion much less to work on the hatbox yeah, ghost scene legendary. you know it's like holy cow yeah my god uh that was with ray we we redid the matterhorn i did that whole uh horde see- scene in the middle with the the bobsleds and the and the skyway buckets and all that junk you know in there 
Uh, I put a big Alporn in there, which I thought was a nice little <laughs> nod to the past. And I will say, before we installed it in the show set, I did go out on top of the Matterhorn and blow yeah, it. Yeah, that's great. Uh which was great. And I have video of it somewhere of me blowing the Alphorn and the monorail was coming by and they honked back at me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, bucket list stuff, man. Um, what else after that? Uh, Iron Man in Hong Kong was after that. Uh, the Tokyo Jungle Cruise update was after that. Uh, I, I primarily did every new things in every park except Shanghai. Uh -huh. I barely touched Shanghai at all. But then you got over to Universal and yeah. still got to do China yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> still got to do that. So yeah, so then after, yeah, so then after all that came Grog Grotto, and then after Grog Grotto was Pandora. Okay. And did all of uh, did all of Pandora was properly done all of Pandora, the land, the ride, all that mm -hmm. stuff, uh, and then went over and. Uh, almost like a post-tiki uh, kind of dream there. Pandora. Yeah, well, that one was crazy. fun. That one was a trip. That was, uh, you know, uh, like we've said, we've mentioned, we've mentioned Tony, we've mentioned those guys, but, you know, to work with Joe Rohde is like being back in school. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean that in the best way possible. You know, yeah. it's like being back in anthro class every right. day. Professor uh, I don't, oh, I don't think I've ever taken as many notes as I take in a meeting with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and we had met originally on Sam's uh, when I was buying all the masks for the walls and all the tiki's and everything. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald said, "Hey, go, go make sure you know that none of these are offensive. Um, you know, let's just let's just dot our eyes and you know cross our t's." And I said, "Sure." And she and he goes, "He goes, go sit down, get on get on Joe's calendar." And I'm like, "Oh God, I can't do it. me, <laughs> you know, that guy, Joe. Oh God." And I walked in, I had a printed out stack of photos of all the masks, and I kid you not, Joe grabbed them and just went, yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 no, yeah, 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 no, yeah. That wow. fast. And he and then he would put the yeses away and he'd go, but the no's, he goes, I'm not saying you can't use them, I but I wanna I wanna explain, I wanna talk mm. about them. And you're just like Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, please. Um, I mean, even all the way through Pandora, which I mean, let's let's be totally honest. You know, an Avatar land is a little weird. Well, and, well, out of the gate, I that's don't... what well, that's what we thought until we experienced it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, and I think that's that's Joe. You know, if anybody was going to make that work, it was it was Joe. And and you know, working with him on that, and again, just learning from him and. Uh, one of my favorite memories on on Pandora was we had our own. I was in a, a trailer on on the site, and uh, Mel can vouch for the size of those. They're not very big, <laughs> and uh, you know I'm the prop guy. So every day UPS is dropping off boxes and boxes and box lab equipment and big you know all this stuff, and eventually no one else could get through the trailer because my boxes were blocking yeah. everything. <laughs> And luckily, we had a contractor that was moving out. They had their own trailer in the parking lot, and they were wrapping up. And our project manager came over, and he goes, you need to leave. He goes, you're going to that trailer. You, yeah. you, that's your trailer now. Get out. And I said, okay, great. So we went over there, and we, we made it the prop make trailer. Yourself we had, make we had yourself a nuisance, and that, that's the, uh, right? the trick right? to get what you want. I wasn't trying to, <laughs> but again, you know, when you, when you every project have to kind of re-explain what the prop guy does – and then you're like, you're going to find out because stuff's yeah. coming, you know. 
Uh, so we had our own conference room over there. We had our own little bathroom. We had it was great. Uh, and then uh, we we could do like a showroom of props. So we had like this is the finishes on these items. This is the aging level on these items. So the art directors could come in and buy off. Joe could come in, but uh, but Joe loved it because if he wanted to hide, he would come over there with us yeah. because no <laughs> one would ever think to look for the executive hanging out in the prop trailer. Um, <laughs> You know, and it was it was great to hang Secret out with sound. Joe. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> you sorry, know where Joe. To find him. <laughs> sorry, Joe. Uh, so yeah, did Pandora, which was a blast. And again, uh, I look back at it and go, boy, we were all we were all kind of wrong about that because we all went, this is I don't know, like nobody wanted to watch the movie. Yeah. Like we didn't want to. We were like, this is uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know, by the time we really got going and, and we're putting stuff in, we're like, this is actually pretty yeah. cool. And this is this is gonna work. And it works beautifully. You know, I mean it's a it's a gorgeous uh addition to that park and, and it fits perfectly. Well, it transcends almost what your your preconceived notions of, you know, man's relationship with animals and, and the planet and it, sure. it takes it to almost a um oh gosh, a, a metaphor. and a, a, a beautiful yeah. metaphor that you can walk through. Yeah, yeah, no, and then uh, and then after that, uh, you know, the the writing was kind of on the wall. I had ma- I had gotten married uh, by then, and uh, there weren't a lot of projects coming up in Florida. So they were like, "Well, if you want work, you know, you have to come back to Glendale." Because I was stationed out of Glendale, I got reassigned and relocated for Pandora um, for those months. But I was like, "Well, I can't really go back to Glendale because I'm married yeah. now, and we kind of have a house here." <laughs> like. <laughs> We had done it. And they were like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. And uh, and my boss had come out at one point, and I was walking her around the site. And I said, hey, good news, good news. I uh, I found work. I'm good. I found work. And she goes, oh, good. What are you going to – are you going over to Star Wars? Are you going to Toy Story Land? Or what are you doing? I said, no, I'm going to Universal. <laughs> and uh, and she made that – security on you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Security. Uh, no, she was great. And, uh, and uh, to be totally honest, by the time – you know, I left Pandora right before we really got hot and heavy on installation. So I, I pretty much set it up to go and then uh, went, OK, I got to bow out, which sucks because I love installation um, is my favorite. And when I think about it, I go, my God, I haven't installed anything since Grog Grotto, which is crazy because uh, that's my favorite part. The rest of it's all just yeah, paperwork. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mel can vouch for that again. <laughs> uh, that's the boring stuff. But uh, but yeah, we we wrapped that up, and then I went over to Universal, and then you could see, you could tell when the phases of Pandora were shutting down because you started to see everybody you were working with on Pandora sure. moving in with you at Universal. So I mean, it was we had a, a ton of uh, a ton of folks from Avatar come over to work on uh, the Beijing Park. So yeah, that's a story. New that's adventure, told. new challenges. It's a story that's told over and over again through the industry, from you know uh, Walt oh, yeah. Disney World up to, up until Epcot when the big uh, exodus happened and uh, new companies yeah. started arising and uh, making making uh, a whole new industry cottage industry that we're uh, we're mercenaries <laughs> we go where the money is you know we who who's paying what do you need done you know that's all we are um, especially in Florida it's very back and forth back and forth California you know Universal doesn't have as big of a presence uh, creatively there a lot of it's done here they have a small team there. But uh, but yeah, in Florida, it's you got SeaWorld, you got Universal, you got Disney, you know, it's all it's all right here in the same quarter mile uh, office uh, complex, it seems. So, 
So now that we're on to Universal Beijing, and yes, the project yes. is uh, the one project around the globe that is uh, still actively still under construction and time. not paused and is going to happen. And, and to some level, I think plans have been released. Uh, yeah, I'm sure most yeah. fans have seen uh, blueprints and artwork and, uh, you know, the model's incredible. Uh, what, the model's what are you al- unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, what are you allowed to, to share uh, uh, either I think regarding I can, your projects or yeah, any of the Yeah, I think I can park? talk about it. I, yeah, I, I think it's a, just a great park. It's a great kind it's of a beautiful park. the it's studio's a, model. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful park. It really, really is. There's some amazing stuff in it. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be sad that it's not here and you have to travel to Beijing for yeah. it. Because, I mean, it's it's an amazing park and, and really kind of took some stuff and, and spun it on its, on its head. Um, you know, the whole Jurassic world area and, uh, is beautiful. That ride is amazing. I know they haven't really released much about that, so I won't go into that, but my God, <laughs> um, a lot of people are going to be upset that they have to go to China to ride that cause they will, cause it's that cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, one of the main reasons that I left Disney, uh, aside from needing work, but uh, one of the main reasons I went over there is they said, uh, how would you feel about uh, doing Waterworld? And boy, oh yeah. boy, <laughs> just, man, I'll tell you where grandma <laughs> buried her money. You mentioned that to me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I had always loved, I'd always loved the film. I'm going to say it. I don't it's a care. Great film. The mother, uh, the even design even during my time at WDI, um, even when I was at WDI, my office had, you know, toys and, and stuff, obviously. And uh, I had all my Waterworld toys pinned on the wall, you know, still in their cards. And I just thought they were great, you know. And uh, and and we would take – Josh Shipley and I, we would, take, uh, we would take lunches and go over to Universal and grab a hot dog and watch Waterworld and then go back to work. It was just like we'd do That's that awesome. once a week and be like, let's go watch Waterworld. Um so we do I, that. I've done that uh, in China with the knockoff water worlds at the <laughs> Chimwang, you know, with, with some uh, project buddies. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Even that know, was entertaining. A, yeah. It's a, it's an amazing show. It's an absolutely amazing show. Uh, to this day, it's an amazing show, whether you've seen the movie or not. You don't, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a great, great show. Uh, so, yeah. So that was easy for me. That was a very easy decision. And then when it really dug into it, um, the thought was that we were not. Uh, we were not going to do like Hollywood and show you how to make a right. movie. We were going to treat it as real. So I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, and, and being that uh, the majority of the props in Hollywood are actually from the yeah. film, which is funny. Cause again, it wasn't supposed to last 30 yeah. years. Let's be honest. <laughs> that show should have been gone, you know? So they took all the crap that they had filmed, flew back from Hawaii and went, yeah, go decorate the show. It's fine. So, uh, yeah, so, so it really was, you know, a dream for somebody in my role because it was, you get a, you get a blank slate, you get an IP that you will yeah. love and you get to do whatever you want with it. <laughs> Go have fun. Um, and there's some stuff where you can tell that I was having fun because, you know, coming off of eight years of, uh, I'll say, I'll just say pixie dust because that everybody will quickly know what that means. Um, you know, to be able to build boats with machine guns and, and, and rust. And, and I used to tell the, the paint crew, I said, I want it one level below Halloween horror nights, (laughs) you know, Take it all the way there, but don't cover stuff in blood, basically. You know, we are gritty. This is war. We are in the middle of the ocean. Uh, You know, there's boats wrapped in barbed wire. I mean, it's just gnarly, 
awesome stuff. And, you know, coming off of Disney or coming off of especially Pandora, where it was like, oh, we can't we can't build any weapons of any kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, but you know, the RDA weapons are the coolest part of that movie. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, so then, yeah, to go and not have any rules, really, and just go and have fun and create what you wanted. And uh, it, it was great. And a and lot of opportunity on that. I rewrote the um, I, I wrote the backstory for the land uh, because it was, again, right place, yeah. right time. And the blessing of... Uh, certain people on the team just going, eh, nobody's seen the movie. They won't know. <laughs> you um, could get away with quite a bit. <laughs> you could get away with stuff, you know, which is fine. But but I chose to stay true and, and protect that brand with all of my might. And, uh, you know, we made sense of everything. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing show. I don't know if they've talked about the other things that are going to be there. So I don't want to get, in, you know, what are they going to do, fire me? Um, I don't want to get, uh, into that too much, but it's, it's an amazing, uh, little land. It's an amazing opportunity it was a blast to do. Um, there's some things in there that I'm really proud of, of how they turned out and how they look. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it was a I lot of fun. It was really, it. you know, every, definitely one of those days where you kind of pinch yourself and, and knowing you were the only one that would do this, but pinch yourself going in, going, I'm building a, you know, today we're building an yeah. atoll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, that's amazing. Well, just, you know. In general, I mean, I think that park is going to be one of those bucket. Li I, it's kind of uh, below yeah. the radar for a lot of U.S. fans. But, you know, to get to Beijing, see the Forbidden City, the Great Wall, yeah. Yeah. it'll be the third part of that trinity. You'll have to go to University yeah. and then Beijing. And then when I when I got onto that project, I was also overseeing the props for the Kung Fu Panda oh, Land. Oh, great. So oh, I had both, which completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. You have rusty real world and you have cute fluffy animation, <laughs> you know, so that was that was fun. But I mean, that Kung Fu Panda Land, uh, a lot of that stuff, all, all the props uh, went over to show set and all that. But that building and that because uh, it's an entire land that's indoors. Mm -hmm. And we did we did some amazing. Uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, charts to show you the size of that building. And to give you an idea, for those who are familiar with the Contemporary Resort, sure. the it is the size of the Contemporary Resort up and, and the height-wise goes up to the monorail. Wow. <laughs> That's how big that building is with no beams in the middle. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yeah. that alone is reason to go to that park, just to see that. Right? Yeah, clear span soundstage. Yeah. That's awesome. And the, la and the land is great, too. But, yeah, no, it, it's going to be an amazing park, and, and I, I hope. Eventually, I get to go over there and see it, and uh, and everybody does because it's it's going to be something. Well, we've had a couple of uh, folks that have crossed that bridge, either back and forth or from Disney to Universal. What's your take on the compare contrast of the two <laughs> kind of cultures without throwing anything out of the bus? Uh, just you stay positive. But uh, I, I will your say, take on that. I, I will say that, and it, it was what I was telling everybody when I first got over there. They're like, "How's Universal?" And I was like, "I have not had a political fight yet." <laughs> What a concept. And I was like, <laughs> and you know I've tried because that's just how I am. But I was like, I I they're they're trusting me to like do my job. Like, you know, and Disney did too, but again, there was so much more red tape and so much more political uh, checks chaos. and balances and yeah, layers yeah. of approval. And Universal's kind of felt just, you know, 
do what's right and do what looks cool and let's get it done, you know, and let's have fun doing it. So, yeah, I, I and, and again, I mean, you know, this can be said for any company, you know, eight, eight years at a company, you're ready for something new, whether it was eight years of bliss yeah. or otherwise. I mean, you know, that's it, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was just it was, an, it was a nice change of pace. It was a great opportunity. Um you know, I got I got a couple really good promotions over here, and you know it's it's been great. It's been and great team, great people to work with, a lot of former great Disney folks, and a lot of a lot of great Universal folks that have been there since day one on those parks too. So it's just new new learning opportunities. So uh, then transition into uh, COVID, and now you, oh. and becoming a so that's a, a thing a COVID uh, media star Ooh. through Trader Brandon's, uh, <laughs> you know, jungle transmissions. Right. From, <laughs> from. That started out. Yeah. So I was bored and, uh, <laughs> you know, as we all are during a, a pandemic, uh, you know, contrary to whatever we thought this was going to be. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I thought, well, I'm going to do these little transmissions on my Instagram page. They're fun. I've got some cool people in my phone book on my on my phone. Let's talk to Michael Giacchino and and talk about, you know, writing music for The Incredibles and Rogue One and, right. you know, hanging out and tiki stuff. And let's talk to, you know, guys from Hamilton on Broadway. And let's talk to, you know, like let's just have fun. And then, you know, before you know it, the pandemic's not stopping and I'm up to episode 98, <laughs> you know, and you're going, I didn't think I had this many friends. Um but yeah, so that became just fun. And and I think, you know, a lot of people liked them. A lot of people are, are still enjoying them. Uh, they're all on my Instagram page for anyone listening who wants to catch up on hours of entertainment. Uh, but it was fun. And, and I think the nice thing, too, is a lot of people were doing, you know, little Instagram things during all this, you know, little live videos or whatever, especially in the tiki world. But it felt it felt like and this is not knocking anybody because it's a hell of an effort to do it. But it felt like the tiki ones were all interviewing like the same five people. Yeah, <laughs> they were just they were just rotating them around show to show. Uh, so I kind of went a different direction. And, you know, I had guys like Tiki Tony and and Freddie's been on. We talked, you know, Jungle Skippers and, and all that. But uh, but I kind of just took it and made it just creative people. Yeah. From, you know, from film, from theater, from theme parks, from, you know, mug design, whatever. And then just talking about creative process and what inspires them and what are you doing during quarantine and what's next for you and tell us about this. And but then tying it back into, well, what's your favorite tiki bar and what's your favorite ride at Disneyland and what's better Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean and, you know, stuff like that. So it uh, it worked and it was, it's been a blast and uh, I need to I need to schedule some more it's uh, you know there's been some shifts and and adjustments at work and and you know ramping up and ramping down and ramping up and more scope and less scope so I kind of took a little break but I need to uh, to get back on it and uh, and yeah the whole trader Brandon uh, brand is, <laughs> as everyone likes to tease me about is uh, is doing well you know we've done mugs we started out with mugs um, and then we've branched out into pens cause everybody likes pens. And then we've branched out now into apparel like <laughs> this shirt. Uh, and then again, quarantine's still going. So, okay, what do you want to do next? And then I had, uh, I, I, I like to find things that scare me <laughs> that I've never done just to keep, you know, on my toes. And I had never done a comic book. So I thought I'll do a comic book. That'll be fun. Uh, so we created the Untold Adventures of Trader Brandon, and uh, it's not necessarily 
drawings of me <laughs> per se. Uh, we kind of we kind of treated it more like the Dread Pirate Roberts uh-huh. from Princess Bride <laughs> that 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 Trader Brandon is a is a entity, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know many men have uh, taken that that title over the years. But uh, but yeah, those turned out really well. We're wrapping it up uh, with issue five and this story pretty soon here, um, and then we've already kind of got the outline for the next story for next year. Um, but those have been great. And again, right place, right time. Uh, if you want to find some silver lining during a pandemic is that most of the people you would love to work with aren't working. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, you know, I was thrilled and fortunate to get, uh, Dan showing to do all the illustrations inside who does all of the Ghostbuster comics for IDW. He's done Transformers. He's done back to the future. Uh, you know, not, uh, not small potatoes. And, and he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. And we're having a great time doing them. And, and he's even told me a couple of times that some of the characters in, in our comic are the, his favorite that he's ever drawn. So it's, uh, really been a lot of fun. And, you know, he's, there's a sidekick shrunken head. And I mean, it's, it's what you want, you know, it's, 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 it's beautifully cliche. Yeah, it's, I love the total fertile uh, outpouring of creativity across so many different. Uh, you got to, media, you know, if we don't if we don't stay creative during this, you know, we're all going to shrivel up and and <laughs> it's not going to go well. You know, you got to stay you got to stay fresh. You got to stay relevant. You got to do something. Um, so why not build a brand? Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I I'm a little silly, bit of a, a completist uh, anal. I've, if I start a collection, I've got to finish it out. So I'm sure. pretty sure I've got at least a version of every Trader Sam mug. <laughs> and I've recently discovered yeah. your amazing creations. Help me out, you know, for uh, people that just don't get the whole tiki mug thing. Um, You're asking the right guy. Try to try to explain that cultural phenomenon, oh, <laughs> the loss, supply, demand, oh, God. Yeah. evaluation. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's a weird it's, alchemy. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. I mean, um, I think the funniest part of it is my wife and I just went to Hawaii at the beginning of the year, which we always go back and go, well, the year started off well. Um <laughs> And then it went down the tubes. Uh, but like, you go to Hawaii, there's no tiki mugs anywhere. <laughs> like, there's no tiki any you, shirts. Okay. Well, but that's like, the special thing about thing. Trader Sam's is that you know, right? really, Southern California is really that birth yeah, of yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. And then you know, you know when you really, it. when you really dig into it, and and not to get political, but when you get into the cultural appropriation and and all of that in in the world of tiki, which I know is always a, a hot topic, I kind of laugh and go. What culture are you appropriating? Because there's nothing in Hawaii like this, you know. Um, you're appropriating a made-up culture by Don yeah. Beach, you know. Uh, so okay, but it's I mean, I know postmodern simulation. Yeah, copies you know, of it's, copies. it's there's thing, you know, and I don't think any. I mean, what we did at Sam's, I don't think is anything, you know, disrespectful. I mean, obviously, you know, we probably shouldn't make a tiki mug where you're drinking out of a Hawaiian god's head. That's a little much. But, you know, the rest of it's fun. And, and for a lot of us, it's it's having that bit of escapism and that outside world that you get to cherish and enjoy. And mugs are a part of that. But mugs are crazy. Yeah, when we when we did the Sam's mugs, we went, oh, we got to have tiki mugs. OK, cool. And then they took off as as they do. But, yeah, it's it's, it's nuts that and there's some there's some vendors that are I call them. I'm like, you're drinking out of a piece of art. Like, that's not a tiki mug. That's an art piece that you can pour booze in. You know, like, that's that's a whole different world there. Um, 
I hope people drink out of mine because I don't, you know, they're not. Uh, I, I, I certainly am on no level like uh, John Mulder and all those guys because, my God. But, uh, but yeah, mugs are crazy. And, and again, uh, it's that collecting that collecting thing, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got probably 300 of them in the kitchen all around the, on the top of the cabinets that go all <laughs> the way gonna around. You're going to have to start insulating um, with them. Just put them right? up in the roof. There you go. You're just about, just about. Yeah. The guest room has a ton in them. And it, my rule is I don't buy one unless I've been to the mm-hmm. place. I don't buy on eBay. I don't, you know, an artist goes, hey, look at this. And I go, you know, unless it's really something, uh, then I go, no, I better not. But if I go to a bar and they go, oh, we have this lovely mug, I go, well, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, no problem. Uh, that's the only way to kind of keep control over it because otherwise yeah, here. it is a, it is a uh, horrible I'll, slippery slope. I'll buy the friend a drink. I'll take the mug. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's it's that's always totally a memory to of, a, of a great you know time with a friend. That's totally and, the and way to do it too. It's great. Yeah, that's that's the best way to handle it. Is yeah, I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> oh, great. Well, I'm keeping the mug. Yeah, that's that's the best. <laughs> All way. right, Trader Sam's aside, what's your favorite tiki bar? Yes. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, last rites in San Francisco. Mm. Really high on top really? of the list. Um, I don't necessarily. Much like Sam's, I don't consider Last Rites a tiki bar. I don't consider Sam's a tiki bar. Um, you know, things like Tonga Hut, things like Clifton's, things like uh, places like Tiki Tea. Obviously, all those, those are tiki bars, hands right. down. No question. Right. It's a different um, uh, category. Yeah, I feel like we created the adventure bar where there's tiki elements, but, you know, is it a tiki bar, which, which is how I... Kind of my way for the uh, the aficionados to kind of get them to calm down a little bit. Going, I didn't design it to be a tiki bar, so why are you so yeah. worked up? Um, <laughs> but last last rites in San Francisco is like that, where they have tiki drinks, but you walk in and you are immediately in a jungle. Uh, the bar is wrecked fuselage from an airplane. There are wings jammed into the walls from wreckage that are tables. Seats are seats are either pilots chairs or crates or, you know, wires are ha- the whole ceiling is covered with a parachute. You don't see any light source in the whole place. Um, it's absolutely That's stunning. Amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, that, you know, do I think it's a tiki bar? No, <laughs> but I think it's amazing. Uh Tiki bar wise, probably would come to mind. Would be like Undertow and Phoenix. Mm. They're amazing. Those guys are great. Uh, the fact that they made a tiki bar in the middle of a of a uh, in the maintenance bay of an old Jiffy Lube. Really? <laughs> I tip my hat to you. Uh, yeah, it's an old Jiffy. It's like an old oil station, and the upstairs is a coffee bar. Little little pastries, pizza, you know, type of thing. But then you know when you're getting your oil changed, and there's the yep. stairway that goes staircase that goes down. That's where you get to the tiki bar. So in this basement, and it's tiny, uh, is this absolutely beautiful, stunning, amazing tiki bar? Porthole windows with stuff moving wow. by, like you're you know in a ship. The drinks are unbelievable. Uh, yeah, amazing, amazing place. That sounds like a. But even then, I kind of put it more in the adventure because yeah. there's shrunken heads and there's like. You know, a taxidermy dodo bird and like, you know, you're like, it's not really tiki, but it's, you know, that's my, that's my this, tiki. This, How about that? We'll call it adventure we'll call it fantasy that we all uh, want yeah. to live. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know, when it comes down to it, that's, that's what it's all about is 
that little bit of escapism and going someplace you just want to go. Well, Brandon, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. And glad uh, to be with you guys. We look forward to um, bellying up to the bar again uh, sometime soon. One of these days. One of these days. I caught something in our conversation with Brandon that actually I hadn't really thought of. Um, It might be just a dumb question, but um, obviously when you can't find something you need for a themed environment, uh, the studios that make these these parks, you know, they have a fabrication part uh fabrication studio why why would they ever i guess i'm wondering why would you ever need to go shopping for real props when you have the capability to make them on your own dumb question (laughs) well (laughs) since we have our own uh scenic shop the the, my answer would be uh you always need to hire us to build everything (laughs) Uh, i'm just kidding um you know obviously every uh uh project and i think uh, brandon referenced the, the idea that you know someone handed them a budget there's always that triangulation of budget scope and schedule and so you know when you're trying to manage that that money uh it it's you know it's just a cost benefit analysis uh, is it better to go chase stuff down is it easier especially in a in a film production a lot of times you can make something that just has to look good on screen but it doesn't really have to be durable obviously within a themed attraction uh, there's a big difference between something that is um, kind of hanging from a ceiling versus something that guests can actually, uh, you know, grab onto, try to pull off, uh, right, you know, right. and and so you know, in terms of durability and what have you. But but obviously, when uh, when it's an option, um, you know, to have the patina authenticity of the real thing. I mean, I I don't think Animal Kingdom would be. Uh, anything uh, as as rich of an experience if they didn't have the the deep amount of authentic propping uh, and accessorizing that they were able to procure from trips from around the world and you know yeah, right. uh, pro- they probably it probably cost more to ship a lot of that stuff than it did to actually procure <laughs> or acquire them from the you know original owners but uh, but yeah it, it definitely adds a layer of patina and authenticity that just can't be replicated. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> well, Mel, I always love bellying up to the old tiki bar with you, but I see that there's a two-hour queue outside restless natives that are waiting for a bar stool. Should we let somebody else order their lapu lapu? I guess so. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. We want you to know we don't take your listening for granted. We'd love to make a show that you love to listen to. Would you mind helping us out by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts? That really helps others find the show. We can't thank you enough. We want to thank our guest, Trader Brandon Clayla. You can connect with him on Instagram at Trader Brandon, where you'll find news of his latest adventures and interviews. And make sure you go to TraderBrandon.com to grab some of his wild and woolly Adventurelander swag, including the comic books, tiki mugs, and apparel we mentioned here in the show. Get access to more stories and interviews at ThemedAttraction.com. Start your own profile, discuss the latest creative advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at ThemedAttraction, and join our active discussion group on LinkedIn. 
Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Barry is the author of Imagineering an American Dreamscape, the genesis, evolution, and redemption of the regional theme park. This book tells the epic stories of regional theme parks and the strong-willed visionaries behind them. Some of the stories you may have heard, most you probably haven't, and it is a fascinating story to tell. It's available to purchase on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or direct from the publisher at rivershorecreative.com. You know, Mel, Barry might not be a mystery writer, but he loves a good mystery. In fact, you might say he has an obsession with the everyday enigma that is our boat dock back home. You see, we have two docks back on shore, one on the left and one on the right, and Barry can't figure out why. To him, it's a paradox. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>